can kind of swim on this side. Maybe a few more will come in. My side's doing real good. Uh, so Kenny, you need to work on this. It's all on you. But I'm, your, your crew will come in here in shortly. So. But it's good to be in God's house. Always good to be in God's house. Uh, ready and willing to dig into the Word. And that's why we're here. We're going to learn the Word this morning. And so it's time to begin. And there they are. There. All right, Kenny, you're doing good. They're coming in. But good to be in God's house and good to be in the presence of God's people. Number one, it's good to be in the presence of God. So that's why we're here. We want, to, we want God's Holy Spirit to just move and touch and mend and heal and bless and just do all the things that the Holy Spirit does for each and every one of us. So let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. and We just ask that your Holy Spirit just move freely throughout this building and just touch each and every one of our lives in the area that you know we need a touch from you, Lord God. We just ask for your anointing to flow through the teachers this morning to bring the word forth as you want it brought out, Lord God. Just open our ears, hearts, minds, and lives to receive everything that you have for us. And we thank you for this chance to be here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This gets to class. Good morning, Rock Harbor. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we're on page 36. Now, I don't know the, the amount of people in here that look at this or read it ahead of time. If you were here Wednesday night, you're going to notice that the same set of scriptures that was used Wednesday night are used this morning in the same context. If that's not a, a, a theme, we've talked about this before, and the Holy Spirit is like, hey, we're not done with that topic yet. We still need, we got some talking to do. Blew me away. When I started getting the study, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Same scriptures, same type of message. I was like, well, I kind of feel weird trying to hash out the same stuff again, but we got some new thoughts and some new inspiration, so we're going to we're going to go with that. I want to say something, too, before we begin. Um, people's, uh, people's backbones are shaped different nowadays. <laughs> You're like, what in the world does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like a metaphor. Mm -hmm. it's, it's different. It's different now. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is that in order, I'll just be blunt with it, it, it to walk the kind of walk that, that God has for us, it takes backbone. It, ta it takes backbone. I could use some other words like courage and things like that, but I'm going to use the backbone thing because I think that's kind of neat. That, and I said it was shaped different because the same thing that the, the, your ancestors, people before you 50, 100 years ago, dealt with a lot of the same stuff that you're dealing with today. A lot of the same stuff. Same God heard the same prayers 50, 100 years ago. Same stuff. Yeah, the, the cars were a little different. Economy was different. People would come out of some different things and went through some different things. But the prayers were much the same. The prayers were very much the same. The only difference is the backbone. Do we have the backbone to gird up, stay focused, and to face the things that are in front of us and not run away from them? Now, I'm not, it's, not a, it's not an implication of anybody in here. I'm simply saying that it's, it, in order for us to stay hooked, it's, it does take prayer. Absolutely, it does take, it does take prayer. It does take seeking. There's, a, there's some other things that obviously go with that. Uh, but on your part, it's going to take some backbone. 
take some backbone to get in there and uh, and and you're going to hear the word endure this morning to to endure some things and to go through some things some things that could quite possibly be scary i think that's kind of a a stereotype we were afraid to say that word because we're we believe that in the christian rank that that word shouldn't exist but god didn't speak on it because it didn't exist he spoke on it because it did exist and that there was a way to approach it there was a way to face it and so we we got to have uh got to have our backbones lined up we, we got to have a, a a focus about where we are going where we desire to go where we want to go and and it's not god dragging you along it is a decision on our part to go through the fires and not around them there's a lot there's a lot to that and uh uh, you know, you always. I'm not going to bring up any glory stories of people uh, that I'd heard in the past, but I get to. I get the privilege of sitting with a lot of different people, and I glean a lot of stories. I glean a lot of information from people who've been through some things and experienced some things, and I think, whoo, that's some. That's some good stuff. That's some good stuff. Some people, not not necessarily Christian people, but they've been through some things and they come through some things and they come through some fires. Um, your story, uh, your personal story, is being grafted right now. You know what I mean? Your personal story is being grafted right now in the kingdom realm and on earth. It's being grafted. Of, of what story will they tell of you when you are gone? What would they, what would they tell of you? Will they, will they see the one who went through the fire? Or will they see somebody that run around it? Or that someone that tried to avoid the obstacle? Or that someone that was willing to, to face whatever was in front of them? I think there's a lot in that this morning. So we're on uh, page 36. Central truth is that faith in Christ and his word gives us hope to persevere. We all want to persevere, right? Amen. Okay. And in key verse, the key verse, 1 Peter 1 and 13, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute, but literally speaking, uh, to to uh, we were I think, actually I think we talked a little bit about this Sunday night last Sunday night um, about protecting your thoughts uh, about uh, literally being careful about the thoughts that you allow to run through your mind and being careful mm -hmm. about recognizing now, I, I, the the Bible says that our our flesh is what um, leads us away from God we give in to sin it's the it's the flesh that doesn't devil doesn't make me do anything but he does fire darts. I'll give him that. He, he does fire darts. He likes to fire arrows at you. And the, the mind is quite the, uh, the battleground for a lot of activity. So let me give you an example. And this is the reason I think this is so important is because in the depths of each one of your minds are like some of the most probably uh, the scariest, uh, you know, um, the most uh, debilitating thoughts that anyone could think in the depths of the mind only you know what that means to you you know what you think you know the thoughts that you have to deal with on a daily and so i'm saying that because god understood and knew that you'd be dealing with some thoughts that were kind of contrary to life contrary some for some people it can be absolutely overwhelming it's just thoughts that just keep battering about your about your children about your grandchildren about the future or what's going to happen or how's this going to work out can anybody say amen? amen so the battleground is there it's there we know we know it's good we know it's there and these are some conversations i've been having with some uh individuals lately 
is that it's, it's not an uncommon thing for people to be going through the things that you're going through right now, especially Christian people. There's, there's an attack on the mind like I've never seen before. Really, literally, there's an attack on the mind like I've never seen before. Even unusual, where there are things coming through my own personal mind. <clears throat> Thoughts trying to lead me in another direction, thinking, I'm like, where in the world is that coming from? Well, I know where it's coming from. He's trying to push those buttons, right? He's trying to push those buttons. And it seems like it's went up a notch. Seems like it's went up a notch. Something's, something's going on in the spirit realm. Something's, going, something's at stake here. Obviously, we know what's at stake, but you understand what I mean. There's some things being carried out. And so it's important to recognize the thoughts of your mind and to gird up the loins of your mind because that's not an uncommon thing. You're not the only person that feels guilty about the thoughts that go through their mind. You notice I, how I use the verbiage, feels guilty about the thoughts you think. Man, Christians should not have those kind of thoughts in, in their mind. We should not be thinking about giving up. We should not be thinking about those kind of thoughts. We should not be thinking about these kind of things. But yet, here we are, and there the thought is, and what are you going to do with it? That's the truth. That's the truth of the matter. What are we going to do with it? Well, we're going to go to the ones of our mind. We're going to talk about that this morning uh, because it is some uh, extremely uh, important information. Under Let's Get Started, hope is a vital part of living. In fact, one of the warning signs of someone at risk of suicide is a feeling of hopelessness. Everyone needs a purpose, a goal, or something to look forward to. For many people, their hope is rooted in things like their financial status or their careers. We were talking about that Wednesday night. You know, we, it's, it's great, those are good things, but that's not all, that all there is. But God gives hope that goes far beyond all of this. He gives hope for eternity that is not dependent on anything tangible. Okay, so tell me what tangible is, though. Something you can achieve here on earth. Okay, achievability, that's right, that's good. What else? Something you can physically see and Okay, physically see or touch. So can, can we agree that tangibility is pretty much everything that's here? tangible accomplishments, um, uh, you know, finances, things like that. So the hope, and we were talking about this Wednesday night, and I already said that, but the hope that we've been given is not a tangible hope. There's no, literally, there is no tangibility because I'm believing in someone 2,000 years ago who said I will be with him sometime in the future. You see, you see the bit of a conundrum there. You know, it's just like, okay, if you put that on paper, that obviously won't make a lot of sense. But you and I know that that's accomplished by faith in Christ. It's faith. We know that. So we understand, though, that most of the things that you and I deal with are going to be outside of the realm of tangibility. And I found this to be probably one of the, the largest truths of my own personal life. It's like, man, I sure wished there was a different scheme here because the harder I press the more I have to recognize that what I am experiencing here doesn't hold a lot of weight. That's tough to deal with because most of my struggles are because of the weights, the weights of this world. And so that brings us to a, a, a sticking point, kind of like a, a, a pinch, a squeeze. Anyone ever feel pinched or squeezed before? You feel a pinch or a squeeze, you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? What do I do with the, this, this life that I've been given where I have to believe in everything, everything that I believe in is, is not necessarily anything that I can touch, feel, smell, doesn't appeal to any of the senses. Everything that I'm hoping for is not here. It's ahead. It's ahead of us. And so getting ourselves wrapped around that, if we can understand 
that and finally come to the conclusion that that was the whole purpose from the very beginning was to get you out of thinking like this here. And I, I, I want to make sure we're always, you know, I, you don't take me the wrong way. I'm not knocking pursuits of, of uh, being good parents and wanting more for your children or wanting more for yourself. Um, of course, all of those things are, are good, healthy things to do. we got to work, right? I mean, you have to. You have to work. Uh, you have to do certain things. you got certain responsibilities that have to take place. I mean, you can, I know all you guys' lives are, you know, they're crazy. you guys got a lot of things. i got five kids. All of them got something going. You throw in the business on top of that, I don't even know how I'm sitting here. <coughs> it's a lot going on. You probably feel exactly the same way. But there's more to it than this. There's way more to it than just the scene that's going on right here. And we were having this conversation in my own family uh, recently. It's, um, there, are, there are times when things just seem really, really tough. They're just, they're just the way they are. It doesn't mean God is any less. It doesn't mean God left you. It, it doesn't mean that he hasn't answered your prayer. Uh, there are a lot of things that we like to attribute to. Why are things this way? Sometimes they're just tough. And there's no other way to put it. Sometimes things happen, and it's not because you weren't praying exactly right. It wasn't because you didn't read exactly enough. I will say that those things are important. But we like to look at those things and think, well, what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. It just happened. Life, for that, for that stretch of time, just... For, for lack of a better term, it just stunk for you for that stretch of time. But we had, in order to come out of that, in order to come out of that, we got to recognize a couple things. And that's what we're going to be talking about throughout this. We got to understand a couple things, and we'll get, get to that here in just a minute. One dictionary defines hope as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. It has been said that the loss of hope is worse than the loss of limbs. The Bible's definition of hope, however, goes beyond this. As one writer put it, biblical hope is less hope so and more no so. Now, I would agree with that. I agree with that. Would you agree with that? It's not hope so, it's no so. Right, because, well, and, and this is the way that it terms it. Knowing is now, hoping is later. Does that, does that make sense? Knowing is now. I know now. Hope is, my hope, it's, it's later on. And, and that sometimes people get those confused. And, and I really think you need to understand that because I think that's a part of being able to get through a lot of the things that you and I deal with and, and getting ourselves out of uh, a, a rut. How many of you have been in a rut? That's, that's a place where it's not, that's not just ordinary rain. A rut is where you actually feel stuck. Okay. Um, you've been stuck in your vehicle before. You spin the tires and, you're, and you go, you press the gas pedal down harder, which actually only digs the hole deeper. And there at that point, you realize that the traditional way of doing things is not going to cut it. We're going to need special tools. We're going to need some different things to pull this off. We're going to have to stop doing one thing and start doing another. I think that's such a great framework for understanding what, what we're dealing with and how to actually deal with it. Okay, so, it, so he's talking about uh, knowing and hoping. So we're, our hope is in the future. Our knowing is now. Salvation provides hope and confidence for today as well as for eternity. It also influences how we live each day. Refuse the hopeless life. Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting statement, too. Well, tell me, let's talk about this for a minute. What does a hopeless life look like? What would that look like? What, what's going on up here? What are you thinking? And, and what's going on that would lead to maybe a possible hopeless perspective? Failure. Okay, failure. That's a good way. It's a good one. Failure. Personal, personal failures, right? 
uh, failures in family, failures in marriage, failures with children. Uh, the list goes on, right? All right, so f the feeling of failure. What else? Yeah, where, where's, what's the next step? Good, good point. And that's a good one. So the lesson here says refuse the hopeless life. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. That's a pretty bold statement. I'm going to agree with that. I agree with that. But why? Why do we need to agree to refuse the hopeless life? I'm going to tell you how to do that here in just a minute. Yeah, yeah you got to have hope. So, so when you feel these feelings, what, what, what's coming if we allow hopelessness to stay around? Death. Okay, death of a lot of things. Maybe not a literal death, but we might deal with a lot of different forms of death there, and that's a good point. Anything else? I'm trying to get you guys involved here. I want you guys to kind of tell me what you're, what you're thinking here. Well, you're not, no, go ahead. You're not spreading the gospel, because if you're hopeless, you're not doing anything. Okay. Yeah, why in the world would we want to tell people about eternal life and the hope yeah. that's in Christ when, when we feel pretty hopeless ourselves? Good point. Depression. Okay? It's gonna to lead to depression. Mm -hmm. That's that's and that coming. Locks, that, that locks you outside. Yeah. And and it's like throwing gas on the fire. It just the the it just the winch pulls tighter and it just mm -hmm. it makes matters even worse. And so to refuse hope, the hopeless life, and I'm going to put this literal, and I'm just there's a lot of ways that we can do this, but I'm going to I'm going to do it like this, and I don't have a lot of time to get into the word and talk uh, talk to you about the exact scriptures, but uh, the Bible says to speak those things uh, that are not as though they were. Speak those things that be not as though they were. That means you speak into your situation. Uh, let me ask this: How many of you have spoken to your situation before? That's verbal. You verbally speak into your situation. I'm not talking about a psychological. Um, uh, perspective. I'm going to talk about a spiritual perspective because you recognize that you're kings and queens in Christ. That you you have authority in Christ. So that means your words matter. Right? That we, we live and die by the words that we speak out of our mouth. And so we speak life. This is a short little training thing I want to throw in here. You speak life into your situation. If you feel hopeless in the family, you feel hopeless in yourself, you feel hopeless with certain situations, you make sure you speak life into this situation, and at the same time, make sure you're not speaking death in the situation. It's very, very important that you don't speak death into the situation. Now, I'm not talking about not avoiding reality. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. I think everything that we deal with has to have a base point of a pivot. You pivot out of it. It's like when I, if I come into something and I recognize that it's not healthy and it's no good, I have to admit that's where I'm at. I have to. Okay, this is where I'm at. Now, I'm going to admit it. I'm going to now pivot off of it. And now I'm going to turn and I'm going to go in the completely opposite direction. Now I'm going to start speaking life into the situation. And I'm going to make sure that I don't go back to speaking death <coughs> over my situation. so easy because your flesh loves to talk about death things. It loves it. It, gets, it consumes your thoughts. It consumes your emotions. It consumes everything. And believe me, I'm telling you. I, mean, I know from experience how... how uh, these thoughts can become so enormous that that's the only thing that you can think of every day. And, and somebody talking like me, you listen to someone like me, you think, this guy's crazy. He didn't know what I'm going through. I mean, I've, I've, I've dealt with super heightened 
uh, anxiety and chronic anxiety, and I know what happens when the mind misfires and it doesn't work correctly. It's not working like it's supposed to. You talk about speaking life 24-7, waking up in the middle of the night, speaking life, and speaking life. It's like these thoughts ain't real. They ain't supposed to be here. Speak life, speak life, speak life. Don't speak death. And so the reason I say that is because a lot of times it's so easy to get caught up in the death talk and, and if this happens, then this is going to happen. And you know what happens then, right? How many of you have ever found yourself in that conversation? And you're telling the person next to you about it. And you're telling the next person about it. Say, how you been doing? Well, let me tell you how bad it's been. And then you get on this, you get on the box. And I didn't say you couldn't confide in somebody. But you and I both know confiding in somebody is different than, than rubbing the, the, the death talk the wrong way. And then you find out, about, and I've been convicted of the Holy Spirit. He's like, you need to shut your mouth. You, you need to quit talking like that because that's all you do all day long is you talk about how bad it is. How about you start looking at the things that have been working right? Start looking at the things that I have been doing. Stop getting so engrossed in what the enemy's doing and start worried about what I'm doing. I was like, man, that's some good stuff right there. So we've got to refuse the hopeless life. you got to refuse it. you got to speak into it. you got to speak against it. Embrace the hope-filled life that Jesus Christ offers every believer. Hope-filled life. All right, so we're, it's, it's in salvation, but here's, here's a, let me give you guys a scenario, because I know a lot of us find ourselves in this. And I've even found people that were uh, a bit confused over this. So the, so the word is, is life, right? The spoken word is life. You speak it, and it's life. It actually, the, the Bible says that uh, the word of God does not come back void which means it always has an effect of where it's spoken, right? There's always an effect there. So what we often do, though, and I'm not saying you've done this, but people think that salvation is like this, this inclusive thing that says, well, I'm saved, though, right? But why is this happening? I'm saved. And I'm thinking, yeah, how, can you, how can you be caught up in that, though? Why are you confused? You're no different than anyone else. We just know Christ is our Savior. So when it says here, it says, embrace the hope-filled life that Jesus Christ offers every believer. Hope-filled, meaning I know that something is coming for me that's better than the way it is right now. Hope-filled. God has a plan. He's going to do something. He's going to act on my behalf. But well, you can't just sit there and say, but I'm just waiting for Christ to rescue me. He's my rescuer. You better get the word and put that thing to work. You better start speaking into your situation. Because God has full intent of you taking the authority that he's given you and start using it. Not using it on other people. Okay? You can't dictate other people. This isn't a formula. It's like, oh, i got a scripture for you. I'll show you. And he's like, I'm going to speak that over you, and then you're just going to snap out of your situation. No, it doesn't work like that. But it most obviously changes you. It can change you. So remember that. Remember that that we've got to, we got to keep we got to keep the word in hand and we got to speak life into our situation and we got to not just be uh what's the word I'm looking for? Well, you can't be a victim. Don't be a victim. Don't just stand there and take a beating. Do something about it. Do something. Okay, let's read our scriptures, page 37. Sean. You just you look like a reader today. Oh, you got your you look, jacket. You're looking good, man. You're looking, you're looking good, brother. Talk all British while I do it too. <laughs> like first Peter one three. <laughs> yep. 
Praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who is through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you are you greatly rejoice, uh, though now for a little while you may have had a suffer had to suffer grief for all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, or greater worth than gold, of greater worth than gold which perishes even even through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in the ignorance, or lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Je- or precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for one another or for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and debt or deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, and like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted the Lord is good. Right. Section 1. Sure salvation. Peter's first epistle begins with what seems like a paradox. Talked about this Wednesday night. How can we rejoice in the midst of suffering? Which I said Wednesday night, and I'll say the same thing. That is an interesting question. Is how do you rejoice in suffering? And I think I'm not going to rehash everything that I said Wednesday night, but it still is a good question to ask. And, and it does bring us to a place that that really, I mean, it challenges us. I mean, it really does. It's like, because I don't think there's anyone in here that isn't currently or to some extent going through some suffering, right? To, to some extent, whatever that is. I mean, you know what, you know how to define it, uh, but going through suffering. And so, but suffering demands a response, too. There's got to be a response to that on our part. And like I said before, it can't be victim mentality, right? We can't, we can't go around thinking that it's all falling on us and that everything is just awful and everything is bad. It's going to be a lot about how your backbone's lined up. It really is. And it's like, am I, and I'm not talking about just, in, just taking things like blunt force trauma. I'm talking about, I'm going to stay the course. It's a determination that you make. I'm going to stay the course. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay hooked with God. I'm going to stay connected with him. Because if there's anything that the devil loves to do, he'd like to try to tell you and try to convince you, much like the serpent did Eve, is that the reason you're going through all this is because you serve that God. The reason that you're dealing with all this is because God left you. Or God abandoned you. Or God put you out. Or God, God, see, God didn't love you the way that you, you think that he loved you. Everyone else, look, he's loving everybody else. But he's loving you. Now, you may not have ever had that exact feeling. Maybe that exact thing didn't come through your mind, but something did. Because if there's anything I know about the enemy, everything he does is always contradictive. It's the exact opposite of what God is trying to do. Always the exact opposite. He always has counterfeits, always. So you can watch and you can see that's the way he operates. I mean, if I was taking a, you know, if I was writing a, a, a I guess, a, an interrogate letter on him, that would be something that I've noticed about him, is that he has a he has a pretty predictable rule of thumb. He's always going to do the exact opposite of what God's doing. So if you've got faith, what is he going to try to cause? Doubt. If if you've got zeal, what's he going to try to cause? Lethargicness. If if you whatever it is, he's going to try to swing and he's going to do the opposite, always. So if you've got love, he's going to try to cause hate. Uh, it, because there are seeds that obviously are that are planted in you that cause these things to sprout. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not going to go after the stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. He's going after the seed that's been planted and has been sprouted. That's what he's going after. And and I'm not I'm not saying I, I get it all because I don't. I just know that I've been beaten to a pulp in my life and I figured out a lot of things over getting worn worn out. And trying to figure where in the world did this happen? How did I go wrong? And the Holy Spirit began to show me. He's like. He's actually kind of predictable. Watch the way he moves. You see? You see the way he does that? You see, now you know it's coming. And when you know a punch is coming, you know to duck. Or put your hands up. Yeah, or put your hands up. You know to get the shield up. Okay, get the shield up. Oh, okay, I got the shield up. He started showing me that the enemy is actually quite predictable. Because he can only operate within a certain parameter of doing the exact opposite of what God has set in place. He has to. It's because he hates you so much. He's going to do it. So it's almost like you know it's coming. And that's not to say that he isn't hostile and he isn't, not like he isn't a roaring lion. I get it. But that roaring lion is, is uh, he's still in a cage. He's not going to devour you. Okay. Um, how can rejoice in this? Stephen Peter wrote to the believers who were exiles uh, spread throughout that area that is modern day Turkey. They lived in an often hostile world. Yet they could rejoice in their sufferings. Hostile. Well, if you want to look at their environment too, you look in their environment. It was it was quite a uh, quite an experience, especially the early church in Acts and the things that they went through. I mean, you think about some of the stuff that these people went through in the first you know a couple hundred years after Acts. I mean, after Christ was was raised and, and then he gave them the great commission of what he wanted them to do. The the people getting filleted alive, and and he's like whoa. It's not, it's not like it is here, right? I mean, where you can just say yes or no. I mean, these people were taken captive, beaten, stoned to death. I mean, this was, the, this was where, this is your roots. This is where it comes from, is, is our brothers and sisters in Christ were treated this way. You're sitting here because they did what they did. It goes back all the way to the early church. All right. So they had experienced new birth in Christ, giving them everlasting hope. Their faith was in Jesus, who had conquered death. What does that mean? 
Well, the sting of death is gone. Why? Because of what Christ did. Now you have hope. Now there's no sting. So what does that do? It kind of, ble you know, kind of blends into what we've been talking about, that now my mind isn't so much on what is all going down here. Now I know after I live my stint here that there's something greater. Even if you come along and take it from me, which can happen. Or if, it's, if, I, if my life is short-lived, if I don't get to live the, the full amount of time, there's still a life after this. And it's a life of eternity. It's a life forever. So putting that in perspective, that changes the way that I think about things. It really does. It changes the way I think about inheritance and changes the way I think about money and changes the way I think about success and all those things because life is fragile. I mean, this thing can be taken from us in a second. Your, your health can be taken from you in a second. I mean, one minute you're fine, the next minute you're not. And so knowing that life is so fragile, I need something more than here. There's got to be something more than you and I are believing in. And, and it's got to be more than just an attendance at church and, and being, uh, uh, being present. It's got to be something more to you as an individual. You have got to have already know in yourself that there's something better than than this than than the, what's going on here, up there. You got to know that and be invested in it. Because if you're not invested in it, then this life is going to be really tough. Um, that experience, the new birth of Christ, giving them everlasting hope. Their faith was in Jesus, who had conquered death, uh, promising life after death. They had an eternal inheritance reserved for them in heaven. I talked about that Wednesday night. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. That there is a heaven and there is a hell, right? <coughs> you're going to go to one and you're going to go to the other, and that's the reality of it. I'm going to, I want to be where he's at. I want, to, I want to meet him personally. I want to, I want to, I've already met him, but you know what I mean. I want to meet the Holy Spirit. I want to experience God the Father. And they talk about this, this um, uh, reunion day. Glad Reunion Day. Now, I don't know a lot of my family. I, I don't. I, I have a very scattered past of, of family. I don't know very many people very deep into my, to my heritage. I always am uh, envious, but in, a, in the kind of admirable kind of envy, when people have their families around them that go back two, three generations. I think, wow. That's amazing. That's really, really good. And I realized that the only way that I was ever going to have that is if I made sure that what I developed here on earth was something that could carry on. So if I do stay here, my kids and their kids and everything will begin to, and we can, I can develop my own. And I can give them something that I did not have. With that said, I'm real curious about meeting some of these people that I've never met before. I don't know if they were saved or not, but I know I got some family somewhere. <laughs> Does that make sense? I don't know. I, I've got no, I've got no history that I am, that I know of, of anybody being called into ministry in my family, anyone preaching the word in my family. Got no knowledge of it, but I sure would like to find out. I sure would like to know, and for what I understand, I'm going to get to know. I'm going to get to meet to some people on, on that glad reunion day, that was in my line. I'm excited about that. You're no different than you're excited about seeing your grandparents, your great grandparents. Or whoever has has left this life early, you're excited about that. I'm excited the same way, and I want to I want to make sure that I get there. 
Um, and uh, says they were preserved by God until their ultimate deliverance. While they lived in difficult circumstances, their trials uh, were temporary. I want to say something about being temporary or trials being temporary because what we often forget about temporary things is that, and this is, goes back to that rule of thumb. You'll hear me, you hear me say that a lot. But there are certain things in the Bible that are the theme for like your entire life. I'm speaking about the enemy. We know the enemy, he kind of has a theme or a predictable behavior. Well, there are things that you go through and by rule of thumb, by what the Bible says, the Bible says that everything is a season. Right? It's the Bible, it says to everything there is a season. So what that tells me is, is that everything is based on time. It's based on time. And if everything is based on time, then there are seasons within that time frame. That means, by rule of thumb, that nothing can last forever. Nothing. And there's no way, there's no other way that you can look at it. Some people say, but I'm going to be in this forever. No, you won't. You can't be. It's impossible. It would, life was not designed that way. It was not designed that way. Some have said, well, I knew this individual, and they lived 30 years with this illness, and then they died. Now, can you explain that? No, but their season ended, and now they're not having to suffer anymore. By design, it cannot last forever. The only thing that lasts forever is what has been promised to us. Think about that for a minute. Think, think about the tangibility and the things that, we, that go on here and how easy it is to get engrossed in the suffering and the sorrows and everything that goes on here, but it cannot last forever. It's impossible. So regardless of your mental health, regardless of your physical health, regardless of, of, of where you stand in your belief of, will this ever end? Can I get out of this? Will it ever stop? Inevitably, it will. Whether it happen in this life or the next, it will stop, and you'll have peace. It's coming, and there's no way to escape it. And to me, that makes me happy. Amen. <laughs> that makes me happy to know that there's no escaping peace. If you believe in Christ, it's going to find you someday. It's going to find you, and you're going to become a part of it. And you're going to be face-to-face -face with him, never more to be away from him, and you'll be made whole. And so that just when I, when I look at that that way and I see the seasonal circumstances that we deal with here, man, church, that helps my perspective. It helps my perspective. Now, I'm not always going to have to deal with thoughts that want to try to drag me down or to deal with physical issues. It's like, oh, you ever, you ever roll your eyes when you, you think you got yourself in good health and you've been working on it, and then the blood pressure spikes again? Or you deal with some other issue and you're like, here we go again. You ever said that before? You get dizzy. You're like, can I ever get rid of this dizziness? Can I ever get rid of this stuff? I just want to feel good. I just want to feel good. You ever say that before? Someday you will. Never to feel bad again. Season. Unfortunately, we're creatures of this moment. Yep. We live by moment to moment. And at least I do seems like and you get stuck in those moments of whether they be joyful or or sad and, and you got to be able to I think that's what the part of the reason why the trials are there you got to be able to see when you're in a joyful moment and when you get to a not so joyful moment yeah. to be able to see past that yeah to have that hope that there is something more right and it's a lot of what people deal with today they they go for that that hope that they can get right then and there 
whether mm-hmm. it be drugs or whatever it is they're they're seeking to find that hope could be television could be movies sure could be whatever it is that that brings them that hope yeah after that little moment but it only lasts for a moment and then it just leaves like a big hole yeah and, and there's i think there's also ways too that i think we've and i'm not even going to get into this but it's almost like we we use we use things to get relief and, and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but it needs to be spiritual based you know we, we use things of this world it's like okay i want to you know whether it's with whether it's taking something or doing something or putting something in front of you or watching something people use a lot of things to get relief and i've got nothing wrong with there's no problem with getting relief but sometimes we live hard and we go through it and then we resort back to that and god let god gets cast out and he gets left out somewhere in between like well if i'm if i'm not feeling bad or if i'm not going through something i'll pray and then where, where, where does God go, though, if you never feel good, though? Where do we put him? If you always feel bad and we never pray, then we may not actually ever talk to him again. Yeah. And so that's why he, that's why our relationship with him is not based on those things. Yeah. It's not based in, in, in that time frame. It's based in eternal. Okay, so the, the trials provide the validity of their faith and provide them blessings in eternity. They could not presently see Jesus, but joy could fill their hearts, giving them a taste <coughs> of what awaited them in eternity. We, too, may feel like strangers in the public arena, but we have been chosen by God and set apart for him. The Holy Spirit enables us to love him and reject sin in spite of outside pressures. We must influence our culture for Christ rather than allowing it to influence us toward evil. So we know that. We need not feel hopeless when we face difficulties due to our commitment to Jesus. Because our new life in Christ, because of our new life in Christ, we have hope beyond the grave. Allow this truth to give you hope in difficult times. Very good, very good topic there. Okay, let's move on down. Today, we who have experienced salvation possess a hope for a future salvation as well. Peter spoke of the salvation that awaits all believers. The Old Testament prophets spoke of the sufferings as well as the glory that awaited the Messiah. Their, uh, their message inspired by the Holy Spirit was for all believers. Rejoicing in the midst of troubles comes by looking at things from a larger perspective. Okay, so we talked about this Wednesday. And for those of you that weren't here, the, that is actually the key to the conundrum that we find when he says you're, you should be able to rejoice or re, be rejoicing when you get hit with things or go through trials, which we obviously know doesn't really make a lot of sense when you're going through it, but it's realizing it from a larger perspective, from a larger viewpoint. It's, it's Yes, of course it doesn't make sense to rejoice if you lost your job. I get that. But... The point is not, I'm not happy that I lost my job. I'm actually quite sad that I lost my job. But my hope is still in Christ, who deals in things eternal, right? I lost a tangible, temporary thing. I will gain again a tangible, temporary thing. You see, the exchange. But often we chalk that up to uh, having an effect on our eternal life, and we should not. That's actually the thing that carries us out of our moments, is realizing that there is a big picture and that there are other things going on than just me losing something or going through something. There's something bigger going on here. I mean, you think about the times that you've had to, how many of you, and I'll, I'll ask this to all the ones who you've had, you've got kids, if you've raised kids, you're at the house and your kids are going through something, which is like 20 million times worse than anything I deal with, in my opinion. Do you not feel like when your kids go through something, it didn't even matter what you're going through. Your stuff takes like a back burner. Yes. It's like, it's going on the back. What are you dealing with? 
and, and, and you're crying over what they're dealing with and your stuff doesn't even matter anymore. You see, it's, it's a lot like that. It's, it's taking that priority and we put it in perspective. Our child becomes the number one perspective to us, the number one priority. We want to make sure that they have everything that they need. We want to make sure that they get everything that, that is provided for them and they've got, um, that they can be happy and pursue things. And it's funny how we prioritize it so quickly. Because well, one minute it meant something, it's like, well, was it important or not? Well, yeah, it is, but not when my kid's going through something. Well, it's the kind of perspective change here. It's recognizing and realizing that what's really important here? Eternity is important. Well, if we really do accept that, it really does start to dwarf our situation. Much like trying to take care of your children, it dwarfs your situation. Makes everything get real small real fast. And it's like, I don't even care about it. If they're happy, then I can go through whatever I'm dealing with. It's funny how that works. But it's, it's not that your problem is any lesser anymore. It's the way that you see it. You've seen it from a completely different perspective. And that's the perspective I'm talking about here. Okay. Um, we can remind ourselves that all that comprises this life is only temporary. The day will come when we will experience the ultimate deliverance. By remembering this, we can have hope as we endure the difficult portions of life. Until this ultimate salvation becomes reality, believers can rejoice even when life throws troubles their way. As you experience trials on the road of life, remind yourself that this world is not all there is. Keep reminding yourself that this life is temporary while what awaits you is everlasting. You have to remind yourself. You have to remind yourself. And what does that go back to? It goes back to speaking into your situation again. Remembering. And, and a lot of this, a lot of the things that we go through, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make this out to be something it's not, but it is a lot about what you know that the Bible says. There's a lot of it's, there's a lot in putting things into you that have an eternal value and not a monetary value. If we spend all of our time in a tangible monetary world dealing with tangible monetary things, and if that's all your time, you don't devote any time to the eternal. All your stuff is based on that. You're going to think like that. You're not going to be able to help it. You're going to drift that way. You're not going to have a real walk of faith that dominates because the walk of faith is, should be something that dominates your life. And it should be uh, easier to make the switch to pray when things start going bad, it's like, well, I need to, I need to make sure that I'm praying about this, make sure that I'm on this, make sure I'm, I'm seeking the Lord about this. That should be the 101. That should be simple to make that kind of a switch. But it's not for everybody because they're spending all their time over here. You'd be surprised at the people that I've talked to, and I ask, they'll come up for prayer. And I'll ask a very obvious question. Have you prayed about this? No. What? What do you mean? So you think coming up here, you have me pray for it, that's going to make it all better. No, I'm just simply here to remind you, you need to be praying. I don't have anything special within me. Thank you for coming, but I, you better be praying on your own. You better be holding up your end of it. And that's, that's responsibility. So you got, you got to engage yourself. Okay, let's go to part two. Got to keep moving here. There's so, much good, there's so much good material in here. It's tempting to get locked onto one thing. Holy calling. Not only should Christians recognize their need to rejoice in suffering, they should live in expectation of the Lord's return. That's a good one. 
Peter urged his readers not to take lightly the subject of the Lord's return. Instead, he wrote, they should regard Christ's return seriously. Now I'm going to ask you a really ridiculous question. Why should you regard the Lord's return seriously? Just just kind of throw some stuff at me here. Why, why should we take that seriously? Why does, why does that matter to us? Okay. And that's really, really scary. That's at the root of it right there. That's a good that's a good one. That's a good one. That's our ultimate goal. Yeah. I mean if we're gonna be Christians, I mean let, let's be Christians. That's what where we're all talking about going, right? That's where we all want to go. And so when it, it talks about taking this thing seriously, taking Christianity seriously, the return of Christ seriously, that's um that that's definitely not something you get another shot at. Because when it's over, it's over. How it all happens, who knows? Who knows? But I know at some point, he's going to separate them. And I want to make sure that I'm on the side that's not going to be left or not going to be or or be cast off. I don't want to be on that side. So that's a very serious issue. We talked about this last week. Remember, a lot of this is eternal. This is an eternal thing we're talking about here, right? This is this thing just we talk about life or death. This really has to do with eternal stuff here. So if you mess this up, you miss out on eternity. It's not like it's it's unlike anything you've ever been involved in in your whole life. Is this fight for eternity and making sure that we're shored up and then in the right place with God? So he went further, informing his readers what a serious attitude toward the Lord's return involves. The second coming should influence believers away from returning to their old godless way of living. And what I did is I put on my book, I put should dot 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 should discourage us from going back to the old way of living should motivate us to keep our eyes looking forward should keep us away from sin but for a lot of people that's not the case and I think that the people are going to be extremely surprised that that is not the God that they thought they were serving there's going to be a surprise one day there's going to be a surprise there's going to be a lot of a lot of people that were churchy and that went to church uh, it's, it's in the Bible. It's recorded in the Bible. It's recorded about the things that they say at that day. It's recorded. And to me, and I try to read between the lines, there's some serious, uh, seriously upset people at this moment. Seriously thought it was supposed to be going their way. Seriously thought that God didn't really care too much about sin and that they had done all these other works and that what they had done mattered. And God says, I don't even know who you are. And so that, that is some serious stuff. Believers serve the God who is holy, and he requires them to live holy as well. Amen. Amen. Holiness can be an, an elusive topic. Why do you think that holiness is an elusive topic? Can I ask that question? Why is, why is holiness, do you think holiness is an elusive topic in this, this, uh, this day and time? Good. That's actually that's a really good answer. Now let me ask this question: Where should our version of holiness come from? Biblical based, right? Not opinion based. We're we're basing it on uh, the the Word of God. We're basing it on something that has historical backing to it. We're basing it on something that has worked time and time and time again. So, it's if it, this is um, when we start talking about this um, 
holiness, it does become an elusive topic because I was talking to Pastor about it not too long ago. I said it's it's um it's one of the reasons why I believe the Holy Spirit isn't welcome in in a lot of places anymore. Because anytime you have a confrontation or a I should say an uh, uh, an event where the Holy Spirit begins to come in, he always is gonna bring truth to the surface. And a lot of people are fighting truths that are going on inside of them. They don't want to recognize it. So, right, get down. I don't want to talk about that. And the Holy Spirit, if you're going to invite him on the scene, truth is fixing to come to the surface. Because he don't deal in anything but truth. Like, I don't deal in anything but truth. So if you, if you don't want to deal with truth, I can't be around. You want me to come and make you feel good, but you don't want to deal with truth. I'm sorry, I can't stay around long. And that's just the way he works. So some use terms such as purify and sanctify. And expressions like separate yourself, regardless of, uh, regardless of the specific term one might use, holiness involves pursuing what is godly and rejecting what is sinful. It don't get no, it don't get no more easier than that, does it? And I don't know how to explain it any better than that. It's pretty plain. Uh, it is seeking with the assistance of the Spirit to live as Jesus lived. All right, moving down. Peter instructed us to see our lives upon this earth as a sojourn, a temporary journey. Realizing this, he urged us to live solemn and reverent lives before God. Something I, I've, I've talked about recently, and it's, it's definitely something that is in my heart, and I always think about that thing, especially when I'm in hot pursuit of something. You know, if I'm, I'm working for something, even when it works, it's like, yeah, all right, it worked, good. All this is coming together. And I can't, I can't never get away from that thought. So, but what good is it in a temporary life? And, and, and Solomon was asking himself the same questions. And I said that Wednesday night. He, he struggled with it. I mean, this guy is supposed to be the epitome of knowledge and wisdom. I mean, he's got all of these things already figured out. But he struggled with the idea that you would work and toil and work and toil and gain and gain and gain and then have to give it all away. He's like, what in the world? This, what does this mean? He was struggling with understanding the, 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 the temporal from the eternal. And that there was something eternal to have to pay attention to. And if it wasn't paid attention to, that there'd be a price to be paid. Read the story of Solomon. It did not end well for him. There's no, no historical fact that he turned back to the Lord. We don't know how it ended. I hope it ended well for him. But there's no historical fact that it did. And, that, and you think, how is that possible? He was the smartest man on the face of the planet. He got the wrong perspective somewhere. He got the wrong perspective. So... You know, I always, I always like to glean that. If the smartest man on the face of the planet can fail, you can fail too. <laughs> if he couldn't figure it out, you better believe you need Jesus to help you figure it out. I got just a couple more minutes. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. We should be encouraged as we consider the unique cost of salvation to our Savior. This is, this is really good. Through his sacrifice. We know the cross. Very unique. Peter put this in terms of redemption. The term redeemed made reference to the price paid to free a slave from bondage, which was exactly where you were at. Our freedom is not the result of religious traditions we follow, nor is it accompanied by a monetary payment. Right, right? So what are some examples of monetary payment that you might think would get you into heaven? Ties, okay, that's a good one. Anything else? Donations to like St. Jude, stuff like that. What about the payment for your time? Hey, I showed up. 
That's worth something, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope. In perspective, I mean, if we have the perspective that, that we blessed this group by showing up, I think, and this is just me thinking, look at the Bible, that's the group that was saying, but we're the ones who did all these things in your name. I came to church in your name. I taught that class in your name. I've done all these things in your name. And, he, and if he's saying that he doesn't know you, then he doesn't know you. Right. And that should bother us. It really would. It really should bother us. Okay, so, so religious traditions, we've got to put that to the side. Monetary payment. We've got to realize that we, don't, we didn't buy or earn anything. It's him. Instead, the blood of Jesus purchased our freedom at the high cost of his death on the cross. Peter described Jesus as the perfect sacrificial lamb without blemish or defect. God the Father has always known he was going to accomplish humanity's salvation at the sacrifice of his son. Such was his plan for the foundations of the world from before creation itself. Peter explained that our faith is in God, who raised his son Jesus from the grave and exalted him in doing so. Because our faith is in God, our hope regarding eternity is in him as well. So the world we live in today is not our home. Okay, now I've got to end on that. But that's a really, that's a really good point, too. Is that just to say that? I mean, if I if, just look within yourself, it's like, okay, I say this world is not your home. Well, you've heard that kind of talk before in church, right? You, I mean, you, you've heard, yeah, I've heard people, I've heard church people talk about how this world is not my home. I don't really understand that, but I, you know, yeah, there's, there's supposed to be heaven, there's supposed to be hell. Well, this is the reality of it that this really is not your home. And that's the reality of it. This really is not our home. There really is heaven and there really is hell. And we're going to go to one place or we're going to go to the other. That's the reality of it. And so I hope that knowing that truth, knowing that this place is not your home, challenges you to either shore up your salvation or to enhance your life with God. But most of all, make sure you understand that everything that you're going through right now is only temporary. No matter what it is, whether it ends in this life or the next, at some point, it's going to end. I'm out of time, guys. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.